Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. Chris Emke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Chris, big news on the tuning front. Yeah, um, it's definitely big news. I, I guess for, for you and I, we're, we're tired of dealing with it in the in the background. Right? Like, <laughs> so anyone that listens to us, you know, over the years, Calibrated Power, Duramax, Tuner have definitely been at the forefront of emissions on. So there's definitely, uh, in the diesel industry, there's definitely a divide, right? Emissions sure. on tuning, emissions off tuning. You have the pro delete guys out there. And here, Calibrated Power, Duramax, Tuner is trugging along, figuring out how to make it work with emissions. That's right, man. Um, in, in sites of the bigger vision, right? Um, and we've been doing a lot of third-party testing with the state of California um, to be EO certified. So what, what does this mean? That means 50 state legal. This means I could we could physically custom tune a truck within the guidelines that we practice, right, in yep. our tuning strategy, and legally sell it to someone in the state of California, which is generally the emission standard, um, and be legal, and provide them with a cool little sticker to say, hey, when you go get smogged, you have nothing to worry about. That's right. Yeah. So so it's a, it's a long and arduous process, I will say that, it's to disgust- go through 50 disgusting. state legal. It's tough. Uh, there's tons of testing. There's tons of money. There's tons of research and development that all goes into it. But the final product gives you, the end user, the ability to actually get EFI Live or even uh, some easy link tuning. That's 100%. You don't have to worry about it. You can now, state of California, I think just about everybody has read the article. They're going to start doing roadside OBD2 checks. So actually plug into your OBD2 and see if you have a tuner on it. Uh, Now, if that happens and you have the 50 state legal tuning from Duramax Tuner, you're good to go. So no questions. One of the things I get a lot, one of the things I get a lot, Paul, is. you know, California in in the industry's eye, you know, end user wise, like California is like, yeah, I just don't go there, right? Like California, they're doing their own thing, and all the guys that live in California, you know, we, there's an option there. But uh, what you see in this industry is a is, is a pattern. Yep. Okay, you you see the West Coast do something, it it migrates out east on on the East Coast, and then it has this way of just working its way. Well, right? it's funny you say that because I know we think of California as this standalone emission standards. There's actually 11 other states yep. that have adopted CARB, that's California Air Resource Board. So there's 11 other states that have adopted the California emission standards. Right. So there's actually. People on the East right. Coast, like if you're up, I believe it's New Jersey, if you're down in Nevada, uh, some of the places you wouldn't necessarily right. think, uh, but that, that you also, have these hard standards. That also comes close to home because I, I think about where we're at here in, in you know centralized Midwest, northern Illinois. Um, there are counties like you know right over the border in Wisconsin where there are mandatory diesel testing that w- once wasn't a thing. So. Right. If it's not here now, it's going to be there eventually. And I'm not saying don't do the modifications that you guys have done in the past or want to do. But I am saying if you are a little bit more aware of what's going on and you're looking for a viable option, there's no longer this, oh, we're emissions on and hopes to have an EO processed for us. It's now we are EO certified. The tuning, our our whole theory and process has come full circle. It's proven. Yeah, and just just real quick there. So we're not. <clears throat> you guys want to love rules about this stuff. We're not allowed to say certified, Chris. Oh wow. We're not allowed to say approved. We're not oh, okay. allowed to say um, that we have any sort of 
anything positive like that. What we are allowed to say is 50 state legal. Okay. Uh, we were issued an EO, that's an executive order, uh, D845 for anybody looking it up, uh, and that has given spade tuning and spade tuner, so that's with and without hardware, uh, the approval to be sold anywhere in the country. Now, for right now, right, just, just to clear the air on this, for right now, this covers 2001 to 2016 Duramax 6.6. Boom. And then... 2016 to 2020? Yes. 2.8. We do have further testing going on with the Ford and the Ram platform that we're really, really excited about. I know some things that just happened the last couple days that are super, super exciting. That's right. We're not going to release that just yet, Um, but we are live with 50 state legal Duramax tuning. So, guys, if you have been waiting for this, if this is something you want to jump on right away, you can get a hold of uh, my co-host here, Chris. Yeah. Chris, what's a good way for them to reach oh, you? Oh, man. Dial the, the company line, 815-568-7920, extension 2121, or my email. It's cmkey at duramaxtuner.com. That's right. Absolutely. Guys, uh, we have a really exciting show and a lot of show for you today. Yeah. Uh, we got talking to Josh McCormick from Power Driven Diesel, UCC competitor, King of the Streets competitor, Big Swing and Dick on the Dino competitor. You know, it's, it's crazy to me because like, uh, so Josh and I have had somewat of a history ever since like 2014. He, he's from our neck of the woods, your neck of the woods yeah. rather. Yeah. Um, and, and he had old 12 valve and stuff like that. And he got into the common rail interest from watching one of our uh, past employees, Jim Rendant. Prior to him working here, he was on YouTube doing cool things with a red 06 crew cab. So, you know, he always had his, his, his sights on a, a common rail and wanting to get into that. And then, you know, 2019 comes around and, you know, King of the Streets and DPC going into 2020. He was on the ballot for for competing. And then out of nowhere, he comes up and he's like, yeah, you know, 18,000 you know followers on Instagram and I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And the YouTube channel has great content. And I think one of the things that's really interesting with Josh and he brings this up in, in our interview is. That kind of that rags the riches story, you know. This is a dude that grows up in a rural, you know, part of Illinois, gets into the Marine Corps, hustles it out. You know, he's got a wife, he has a couple kids, and he's got a sheer passion for diesel. Um, works for a company that really supports him in his passion and his drive, and and really doesn't hold back when he talks about his his financial stability getting into this and and what he has done. And then, uh, I mean, he kind of shares like the ins and outs of hardship with high horsepower trucks. That's right. And I think that that's a big, big piece here because in today's era, you know, you get on the forums, you read, you hear, you talk to guys, oh, you could do this, you could do that, this is reliable, that's reliable. They're painting a picture one-sided. It's not the real story. Now, someone like everyone in this podcast room, we know what that story is. We know what the real truth is. And it's hard to it's hard to articulate that with an end user. They have to be able to use the resources that are provided to them, like YouTube, like these forums, to say, okay, well, this is crazy, but like here it is in black and white, man. <laughs> and I think that, you know, from the successes that Josh has had, um, you know, I, I, I attest a lot of that to that. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Uh, guys, without any further ado, let's kick it over to talking to Josh. Josh McCormick from Power Driven Diesel. How the hell are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you guys doing? You know, we're just living the dream. That's the best way to put it. <laughs> Three. We, I mean, our, we can finally see the sun today. There you go. Okay. So there that, you go. That's good. All the, all, the wild, all the wildfires have been burning in the like California, I think Oregon, too. And yeah. Today's the first day I can actually see the sun. It's a pretty good day. 
There you go. That's pretty crazy. Three guys working yeah. in diesel performance talking about trucks on a podcast, and, uh, and we can see the sun. Yeah. So, yeah, things are pretty things fucking are, good over here. Well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Josh, you, you've been on the show before. We actually had you jump on to our listener ride reviews back at the, the peak of COVID. Yeah. The peak of all the lockdowns yeah. and everything. Uh, guys, if you're looking for that episode, that was May 5th of 2020. It's titled, I Love Trucks, Guns, and Bacon. Uh I don't know that better words have ever been quoted in a podcast. No. <laughs> there was there was one a couple of years ago, a, a UCC um, show and shine um, uh, entry. Uh, yeah. It was uh, stripper glitter blow and something else, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's a killer that quote. Just stripper and glitter blow and something else something is a else, really yeah. good quote. No, like that—that's what we named that episode, and <laughs> and that dude lived up to every part of that title. <laughs> so this one, this one's a little more relatable. <laughs> Josh, at that time, uh, we talked about your 05 Cummins, which I know you still have. At least, yeah. Last time I checked your Instagram, you still had it. No, um, it's 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 still I still got it. <laughs> now. I thought it was funny because, uh, obviously, Chris and I, we, we kind of keep an eye on the guys making yeah. big horsepower throughout the industry. And I know you and Chris uh, do a lot of work together. Um, but I went back and I just listened to that episode. And now you've you've only had the truck, I would say, now like about four years. Is that right? Uh, yeah, it's like four or five years. I, don't, I, I mean, I, I bought it originally as a like family hauler and I used to tow a truck with it. And then it's kind of just slowly progressed into a... Pretty much a garage ornament at this point because you can't get any parts. Can't, can't get any parts for it, man. I mean, it, I, I hear it from customers that sometimes don't understand the wait times, and I see a lot of friends and other businesses. I mean, I waited 12 weeks for some stuff that used to take six weeks last year. Yeah, um, it's just it's just rough, you know. Well, that that's true because I know when we talked uh, last time around, you had talked about how hey, this truck started as like a tow rig and it was a daily driver. You had, I believe, you had a Stell sixty four on it at one point, which is a great like all around daily driver. Have a little bit of fun, but at some point you decided you were going to take that 05 and just go to the moon with it. Um, so a little bit of history for our listeners. Uh, at, at one point, its peak horsepower ever made was like 1362 i think that was at truck mania uh and that was on a yeah. fuel only setup yeah. that's pretty yeah, nasty a, yeah i was a 488 with some uh i was a 20 over 67 with some shopping 12 valve rods and i i bent the rods on a drag race that day so i stopped drag racing and we got the blow by to kind of slow down and put it on the dyno did 1362 and then it I can't remember. I think it was a freeze plug that popped on the dyno run, too. Yeah. So then we drained the coolant out of it and sled pulled it. And I think I came in second. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Jesus. But, like, I, I believe the, the quote was, like, any like any good red-blooded American yeah. um, oh. ran it straight into the ground and then rebuilt it. How many times has that truck been rebuilt? I, I don't know. So it had the original, it had the original 5.9. That yeeted a rod. I put another 5.9 in it, and then I sold that 5.9 to somebody else, uh, and I put a 6.7 in it. Then I put a high test block in it, then a comp wet block, a comp wet block, 
and then a D&J enforcer. So I don't, I don't know. You kind of lose track after a while, but it's been rebuilt a lot. Um, <laughs> that was seven engines I, off the top of your head for yeah. any listeners playing along at home. Uh, in in I mean, four years, seven engines in four years. Yeah. So yeah. four to so, five. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you'll have the. You're you're always gonna have the trolls that are waiting for the next explosion, and then you have the people that, <laughs> I, um, you know, it, it's like at UCC, it, it really sucked to melt a piston down, and yeah. I know a lot of people were quick to blame a bunch of people for without even talking to me, but luckily we got good friends that let us borrow a spare engine, and we swapped it all night long, and. I'm not really proud of how the truck performed the rest of the weekend, but at the end of the day, it was, uh, you know, you can say whatever you want, but I'm never going to quit. That's kind of, that's kind of always been the motto, at least for myself. And, uh, one of the guys that works here, Meyer, um, you know, if, if we got the parts and all we need is the time, we'll, we'll make it happen. So you mentioned something about, you know, the, the trolls, and I think competing at the level, you know, you have grown leaps and bounds over the course of 2020 to be at the level that you're at and what you compete at. But you also are more susceptible to those trolls because of the YouTube channel, and you've done so well with documenting a lot of your struggles and your successes. Um, so r- real quick here, just for our listeners, when did you really start diving into that YouTube and when did you think it was a great idea to, hey, I'm going to document everything I do on these trucks along the way? I mean, I, I've, I've had a lot of people that have asked me to do a YouTube channel and it was one of those things. I just, I didn't have the time. I didn't have the patience. I had tried YouTube. I don't know. That would have been maybe 2017 and I just, I wasn't very good at it. Um, and it took a lot of time and I I wasn't efficient at it. So I kind of was just like, whatever. And then I started hitting Instagram really big and you could do stories. Well, the problem is the stories only last for 24 hours. So people didn't, you know, exactly have, they, they couldn't reference it back. And, and finally, um, I'll, I'll never forget it. I was, I was pretty much broke at this point. It was October of 2020. I had just destroyed another engine at King of the Street. We had a, um, we, uh, it was that explosion on the dyno. And I'm driving back thinking about what I'm going to do. And I ended up calling Lenny Reed up at DDP. And I was like, yeah, I got this crazy idea. And, and I talked to him about it. And uh, he was like, well, I think you should do it. He's like, why not? I was like, okay. So I took out pretty much the last bit of money that I had and I went to a dealership up in Salt Lake City and I bought this silver 2007 quad cab 5.9 truck. It had like 290-something thousand miles on it. Um, Tranny shifted terrible. It was low on fluid. There was oil coming out of the blow-by tube. Um, It was just in really bad shape and the dealership's like, hey, I I don't remember. Off the top of my head, I want to say it's like 6,500 bucks is what I paid for it. Okay. Um, but they were like, get, just get rid of this for us. And I was like, perfect. Drove up there, um, picked it up. And that's what I started. I, I want to say like the real YouTube dive into, okay. um, my channel with that. And really it was just, you go on all these forums. I mean, you guys have your forum on Facebook, the Firepunk discussion forum, not knocking your guys' stuff. But I feel like that's probably the most popular one today. Yeah. for people 
and, and it's like you you go on there and how dare you <laughs> i'm just playing <laughs> it is the yeah, firepunk discussion I, I, forum's awesome yeah, no, no yeah. lies i'm yeah, sorry but, go ahead but you, yeah but you go on there and it's like it, it's a cool place and it's got a lot of good information and it's got a lot of terrible information and i feel like Levon and their team they do their best but at the end of the day there's so many people posting on there and i just felt like especially dealing in the industry where i am now it's like the advice that i give somebody let's say that lives in marengo isn't going to be the same truck that i'm going to build them if they live in utah or colorado or montana like a lot of these western states because we're so spread out and the train's so much different a lot of like the turbo setups and stuff, they don't always work as well as they do on the sea level side of stuff. But a lot of guys um, don't even art- don't even have the ability to articulate that. Like you yeah. can explain to someone until they're black until you're blue in the face, you know, and, and, and establish the black and white, you know, data. They they don't know. Like it's hard to take that, and then you're able to spin it into a YouTube, you know, video where, you know, you're you have that end user interaction now, right? Like they they get to physically see that. That's the difference, right? <laughs> Yeah, and that, and that was – it was kind of like I wanted a place where people could get decent advice. I, I will never claim to know everything. I'm sure there's stuff I still do to this day that's probably wrong in some people's eyes. But I would say all in all, the stuff that I showed how to do on that channel, I wanted people to have a good resource for quality information and be – accessible to the public so obviously i have a benefit because people can call a business and talk to me and for the most part will todd lawn and the owners um you know if a customer watched one of my videos and wants to chat about some of those things almost everything i do on the youtube channel i can either sell them or support them through the you know where i work which is a benefit to uh power driven it's a benefit to obviously my viewers and then it's a benefit to them because they get to talk to people that they've seen before um and and really it's just kind of evolved from there it it really started just with that silver 07 truck and then i've kind of brought more and more stuff in um but my main goal was just to have a i don't want to say encyclopedia but a reference for a lot of stuff um that you want to do on your truck whether it's a how-to video. I know you, you Google like CP3 install, injector install, head stud install. All those videos have been done. Really, I, I didn't focus on the, the nitty-gritty stuff of that. It was like, hey, this is a trick that I found on how to make this job go faster, um, how to do it. And then there is, I mean, we do do some entertainment. Uh, I took my wife on a rip in one of the trucks and got her reaction and stuff like that. But for the most part, it's I try to make it somewhat educational in in a way, um, and I think the what I've always liked about power driven, and I I feel like a lot of us that work here kind of rep I don't want to say replicate it but represent it well. Uh, you'll see guys that say, oh, you know, I went all year on this tranny or this setup or this engine. But I feel like sometimes it can be misleading. I, I know for my personal experience, when you're starting at those 1,000, 1,200 horse numbers, like that's not a setup that's probably going to be maintenance-free. Um, <laughs> and, and I feel like you kind of add a little bit of expectation when 
you're like, okay, well, this is the fourth time this training's come out this year. I don't even know if anything's wrong. We just kind of wanted to look at it, you know, the, the turbo setups and stuff like that. I just feel like the more realistic you can be with people, yeah. generally the more they appreciate it. And if something blows up, I'm not one to, like, try and get the videos removed or anything like that. I mean, at the end of the day, it happens, and I'm not ashamed of it. So I just – I really don't care what people have to say about it. I love that Because I know that – Yeah. Yeah. It, it, if it, – it's kind of like – I mean, not knocking you guys, but remember when Jim blew up that 8-3? Like, dude, it, it happens. At the end of the day, when you're trying something new, like, it's going to happen. Oh. And I- – there's two kinds of people. I feel like the people that just lay it all out and are honest about it. And then you have the companies that try to sweep it under the rug and move on. Like to me, a failure isn't something that you should cover up. It's probably something you should share. So other people at least don't make that same mistake. And number two, you'd be amazed at how many people will call or watch my channel just because they're like, dude, you never quit. And uh, <laughs> it, It's crazy to kinda, me. It, it's crazy to me, Josh. I, I remember, you know, getting started in this industry and reading the magazines, right? And uh, we have a, a magazine uh, article that's printed and published in our customer waiting room of one of our one of the you know Nick, the owner here, his LB7, and it was like a a daily driven you know 900 horse truck, right? You could tow with this, you could daily drive it, this and that, and there were a lot of a lot of these publications alluding to a reliable, you know, high horsepower truck. Um, and that's where I think a lot of these guys, you know, they call in. I'm sure you get these calls at, at Power Driven, just like we do here. Yeah, I want a turnkey thousand horse truck that I can tow a camper across country with my family. Well, that's not real fucking listic. Like, that just doesn't happen. Can you do it? Yes. Well, yes, you can well, do it. Sure, right. Because you have to be willing to be josh mccormick who's well, willing to put it together and when it breaks down on the side but, of the highway on, but, it, right, right 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 so that's not the customer there, there isn't a i'm gonna build a thousand horse trans to support a thousand horsepower <laughs> and it's gonna live for a hundred thousand miles like that 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 reality isn't there are there people that can build those types of trucks and stay together yeah but those guys aren't using the power they're babying the hell out of the truck they're not using them in the intent that they were built for sure so what I really appreciate with your YouTube channel is you have you have two crazy stupid builds going on. Like I don't mean stupid in a bad way, just high horsepower trucks. Guys dream of 1500, 1800 horsepower street truck, drag truck. And here you are living it, but then you're documenting everything and that's what I feel separates what you're doing compared to a lot of the other YouTubers that are out there right now. And of course, you're Cummins oriented, so you know I got to give that support God, where support too. Big C guys, Ooh. just Jesus Christ, we got it. You guys hey. all bought the same type of truck. Hey, hey uh, you know it's funny you bring that up because I don't. I was waiting. I'm still waiting for someone to give me a price on that. What is that? A LBZ or LB7 that you guys have as a shop truck? Man, yeah. you know what, Tim. So all joking aside, Tim had commented on that post about the truck, and then we decided that we were going to run it through the ringer and the local sled pull uh, association that we have here. So that thing's been getting worked the last couple of weeks. And oh, we're talking about the blue LB7. The blue LB7. He was talking about adding hey, to the channel. That's perfect. I I love other people's clapped out. <laughs> you know, it makes it makes some of the best con. I tell you what, when I pulled that 07 engine apart after it blew the head gasket. And I saw somebody had replaced, so it had, it had three different styles of injectors in it. Yes. Whoa. And it had, somebody had three stone honed it with the pistons in it. 
So when I what? The pist- yeah, when I saw the pistons popped out, it was like fresh honed for about two thirds of the cylinder, and then where the piston sits at bottom top dead or bottom dead center, yeah, yeah. um, it, it was all scored up and Holy it looked like three hundred. I was like, dude, this is awesome! Like somebody, I mean. Somebody, a man, a man after my own heart, really, because I would have probably, probably pulled the pistons out, and that's what I did in that video. I pulled them all the way out, and then I honed it all the way. But I was like, dude, he he went like ninety percent. You got to give him credit. I yeah. love how much work somebody put in to do something to half-ass it, right? right. <laughs> like not get yeah. all the way there, but like that was still you didn't. I don't know what time you yeah. saved, yeah. right? But that that no, is that's I a mean, part of building I, I trucks, could, though. You know, I, I could tell you in that video, I didn't save any time because we were like, oh, let's pull the head. And I'll firing it, and I was like, I'm looking at the pistons, and I'm like, dang. When I saw the six different or the three different, I had two Chinese injectors, two Bosch Remans, and two Factory 07 injectors, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be a good project. And then I looked, (laughs) and there's like four pistons that looked like they had been in there for a while, and there was two that looked somewhat fresh, and I'm like, dang. So then I pulled the oil pan, and I had the thrust bearing sitting in there and i was like all right so then i i didn't i didn't pull the engine out of the truck i just popped all the rods out through the top i spun a new thrust bearing in the in the mains and then i took this like rigid three stone hone like it it, it's from like lyle tools and i honed it with it in the block and then i put it all out here i mean it took way longer (laughs) but it was kind of one of those things i was already there and I, and, and I looked at Meyer, and Meyer and I were just like, you know what, let's just do it this way. So it, it at the end of the day, it made a cool video, but, it, you know, 2020, you know, hindsight 2020, I probably would have just pulled it, but yeah. oh well. So well, you, you made you did all those modifications, right? You, you went through and, and cleaned things up. What did that truck end up making for horsepower? Um, I think the best we ever did was like 1340 over at Firepunk. Um, so, drove that truck. Something else All a lot of YouTube out. guys don't do. You claimed it back home, and then you claimed it in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and honestly, we're gonna we're gonna do a round two with that. So, I torched a couple of those pistons in that enforcer, and then I'm gonna go back out there. I think I'm gonna take the 07. I mean, I love my new truck. Don't get me wrong, but when you floor it, it just doesn't quite have the the umph that the 07 <laughs> does. So I think. I, I was talking to a couple of the guys at Firepunk. I think I'm going to go out there again and probably do that round trip again, just with more power this time. Okay. I love so it. let just to, just to kind of recap here. So the 07, uh, that that motor that we were talking about that you cleaned up is of course no longer in the truck. You did a video series where you uh, you built a 67 for it, correct? Yeah, I did a video series. Basically, I tried to be as as I don't know educational as possible. We went. Uh, everything from cleaning the block, measuring the block, assembling it, putting it in the truck. Um, I just felt like there wasn't a lot of – I remember, man, this would have been like 2010 through 12. There was a guy on YouTube. I don't even remember his channel. I think it was the Diesel Garage or the Diesel Shop. He used to put together all these 12-valve engines. Um, and I remember like the, the quality that he put into those – and then I was trying to find one for a common rail, and I really couldn't find any. So that's when I decided to put it all together for that 6.7 engine. So anything from measuring it, cleaning it, grinding your piston rings, how to put pistons on rods, how to drop them in, uh, I covered all that in that video. 
Super That's awesome. Cool. I love that. I love that type of being able to dive deep dive into something where you're like, hey, this is going to be helpful to other people, you, you know, and it's still right. something that's fun to follow along. Now, successes where, of that. Where did that where did that build end? So you, did that build end at the 1300 horsepower? Is it still together? Nah. there? Nah. So we put that together. Um, I had a 472, 488 set up on there. Um I think we did we did like thirteen hundred fuel only, and then we did like fifteen on spray, because um, I mean you can't really have a daily driver without nitrous bottles. Right, of course. And then <laughs> especially at altitude, um, <laughs> uh, we started we started playing like musical turbos. So after that, we had I went to a dyno competition in Montana, and I like Meyer and I are really weird people. So we have the Northwest Dyno Circuit out here. They have, I, I think it's like eight or nine classes, but Meyer and I try to go and win as many as we can. So <laughs> I went I went to Montana, and I had a single 488 on a T6 manifold, a modified, like a work stock 6767 HE351 from a good buddy of mine, and then I took a stock compressor wheel turbo, uh, and we... Ended up coming in first in all those classes. Then I got back and so wait, 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 wait. You brought three different turbos for three different classes on one truck. (laughs) Ran the truck, swapped out chargers so you could make the next class, and then you you swept all three classes. Yeah. So what what we do? I'll show (laughs) I'll show up. So I showed up. I think okay. So we were gonna sled pull that day too. So I showed up with the 488 on. Um, what class? I, what class allows you to 488? That, that was a large single. Oh, that was for the dyno. So okay. large single okay. 488. I think we did like 1250-ish. Um, and historically speaking, if you have over 1,100 horse on a large single, generally that's a pretty hard number to beat. Yeah. Uh, realistically, it's just a lot of how you load that dyno with a charger of that size on how you make I, I always get people who are like, oh, you sprayed it or, oh, you cheated or whatever. I mean, realistically, I don't, there's a skill involved to dynoing too, and I feel like although it's not drag racing or sled pulling, we do a lot of dynoing out here, especially because the shop has a dyno. But ever since a couple of those explosions have happened, like I almost would rather drag race or sled pull because <laughs> uh, you just like, even on the dyno, like you just get a little bit worried every time that thing starts to make some noises. But we did that. I always try to be like the first person on the dyno. So I'll put my truck in line before Cody and Elmer are even awake. I'll pull up. <laughs> so you get back from that, you put on welding gloves, you rip that turbo. And at that time I was switching the manifold. So I had to take the turbo, the manifold off, I put a T3 manifold on. I put that 6767 on. I went back up for the small single class. I did, it was like 920-ish uh, and some change uh, on that charger. Um, that was, I think we won by like 300 horse on that class. So then when we get back from that, all I have to do is, you know, swap the turbo, which isn't a huge deal, a few clamps. Um, and then I went back up for, they call it the stock Dodge. So the stock Dodge class, by the rules, says a cast OEM compressor wheel. Uh, that's what I brought. Some guys I know kind of fidget that with like a billet um, factory size wheel. I don't – honestly, I, it's more fun to beat them with a cast wheel. So I just did that. 
and then I pulled it down. And this sled pull, you had to do two runs, and they basically divided it by two and averaged them out um, to get your distance. So the first pull, I went like 280 feet. I, I had, I think, 40 or 50 feet on second place, but I lost the turbo bearing cartridge. Oh, no. Um, I think a lot of it was probably the 50 pounds of boost on the cast wheel, but whatever. <laughs> so I pull it into the pits and I brought the 66 or the 6767 charger with the billet wheel. I pulled the billet wheel off that. I took the cast compressor wheel that had been nicked quite a bit on the cover, put that on there, wired the wastegate open. And then I finished my second point. I went like 230 feet. Um, with like a, we measured it. I, I think it was like a 55 millimeter compressor wheel after it had <laughs> nicked the cover a few times. And we finished that stuff. I think I ended up coming in second for that, but it's just kind of one of those things. I, I mean, everybody, you know, I, I, that event in particular, I was hanging out with all the DDP guys and they're just like, you guys are nuts. And I was like, I mean, not to us, it's kind of just another day. Like it, it wasn't a big deal, but, um, it's it's just a lot of fun to to do that. So, um, and, and yeah, go ahead. What's the peak power that that 07 has made? Like, what what's the highest horsepower that that truck's made uh, in the time frame that you've owned it? It's done over two thousand. Okay. So so I just want to run this back here. So the first the 05 truck you've peaked out somewhere in the fourteen thirteen to fourteen hundred range. No, that truck's been over 2,000, too. Oh, now. that truck's been over yeah. 2,000 horsepower. With the new yeah. motor and all that. Yeah. So... I, wasn't showing up, I wasn't showing up to UCC with a, a tow truck. <laughs> horsepower, you know? Yeah, 1,300 horsepower, horsepower right. is, is tow truck power, right. If you look, there's a guy, his name's Kyle. Uh, he's out here in Colorado. He always puts that hashtag towing compounds, and him and his buddy Tyler – we have very similar setups. They run a 480 T6 with a GT55, and that's what I currently have on my 07. <laughs> and uh, it's kind of been it's been this like kind of evolution thing. But I mean, so my daily driver now is a 67 with some DDP fueling. Uh, it does have an Exergy race pump. Um, I know you guys you guys love those Exergy things. They they make a good injector. They make a good pump. I just when you've been with a company for so long, it's hard to leave. Relationships are I everything, do, man. Yeah. I do love that 14 mil race pump that extra G makes. I mean, we've done over 2000 horse on a single one of those. Um, now it was kind of starting to teeter off a little bit, but that's still, when I think about, you know, Oh nine, 2010, when it was like a Diablo power puck with a smart <laughs> on a factory CP three doing, you know, six fifty, seven hundred and blowing the freeze plugs out of the pump. Yep. Um, I, I feel like that that's incredible to have that much horsepower on tap and not have the extra belt and the pulley and all the, oh, yeah. you know, the potential leaks. So it, it's a, it's an awesome pump. And, uh, that engine, it's kind of weird. I, every time I turn it up, I get a little bit more nervous. I don't think we're going to go much more because that's a six, seven block with two repair sleeves in it. Okay. Um, back to standard bore. Uh, and then it's got cast Cummins pistons from a 19 to 21 truck. Okay. So I don't, I don't know if you guys have done much engine work on those, but, I hadn't at the time when I ordered them, and I went to go put them in the rod 
and the wrist pins are bigger. So mm-hmm. I put the rod end on a, um, a vice and basically took a drill press with a hone and I just kept reaming the rod out until the pin fit in. Um, so those are 19 to 21 pistons. I don't know how many people have really dabbled in it. I think uh, that one, Daniel Green, uh, the guy who travels the country racing, Yeah, I think right. he's got... I think he has one of those engines, but I think it's the full thing. I, I don't, I'm not sure, but they just did a. I don't know. Levon just did a video on that not too long ago yeah. on his page. Yeah, I saw that they were flipping extra G spray patterns around. Yep, it, was yep. kinda, it was kind of it was it was kind of cool because having been on the other side of that with DDP playing around with them, like when I saw the the power gains and dips, and I was like, oh, I bet you it was probably this whole count with this spray pattern because I was like, you've right. been there done that it sucks try to try to figure that one out <laughs> but um no it, it it's good we got some i think he i think people can buy the injectors i have from ddp now but at the time when i first built it i think these were kind of some like one-off deals but they're 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 awesome the compression on that engine is at like 18.3 to one. Oh wow oh um, shit so it kind of this engine this truck really I, I mean will and todd are very bright guys they're they're huge mechanical guys but at the end of the day engines are kind of engines right. so they're both fascinated with it i know meyer and i really didn't think this was gonna work that well because when i had built this truck originally it was supposed to be a reliable 1200 1300 horsepower daily driver tow truck kind of thing and it just kept taking the power um with it and, and i'm kind of curious we're gonna pull it apart i really want to pull this one apart before i you know explode it you know <laughs> rapid disassembly because i'm kind of curious like all this stuff that we tried with the different pistons and stuff like that to see how well it, it held up um and kind of go from there but that truck I mean, it's a lot of fun i i mean I have had it now. It's been together 18,000 miles I've put on it. Um, we've had anywhere from a stock appearing or cast turbo to this compounds that we have now. Uh, we did, I think, 1430 on nitrous with that 6767. Uh, that was kind of cool. I like made a random Facebook post asking what was the most horsepower anybody's ever made on an HG351. <laughs> the number I got was like 1350. And I looked at Meyer, and I was like, dude, I think we can beat this. <laughs> um, obviously, it's on nitrous, and everybody kind of, yeah. some people had their little hissy fits about how, you know, technically it's not an HE251 anymore if you change it. And I was like, whatever. Like, it was just a cool yeah. goal to try and hit, you know. It's a so limitation. we just kept adding nitrous un- until it, it made the power we wanted. And believe it or not, it only made like 42 pounds of boost. That, that HE351, I know – you guys are very familiar with your guys's um, line of the stealth chargers, but it always blows my mind how many people overlook that like yeah. factory race turbo. Like that turbo works so well. Like it works good in compounds. It works good as a single. It works good towing, daily driving. Like that is a great very, turbo charger, and, very and they're very strong. Yeah, yeah, they're they're really robust. When you think about like the HX35, there's no way that thing's hanging in there. But the HE351. That wastegated, undivided housing just works. Yeah, absolutely. 
Josh, this is it's always fun talking to you because you can hear the passion that yeah. you have for diesel performance. You can hear the passion that you have for how much fun it is to work in this industry. You own four thousand horsepower worth of trucks, you better be fucking passionate <laughs> about it. Hey, you can't you can't forget hey, we don't want to miss the product plug of your guys' emissions on tuning either. Please go for it. I, mean, if, I, if I have no gonna, problem with a shameless. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make one go correction it. real quick. You refer to the 07 as the tow rig, okay? But you actually have a tow rig. Like, yeah, you, you have yeah, a, you have a third truck in the mix. Yeah. Um, so I have a. a I had. <laughs> uh, I bought a 2021 Ram 3500 single rear wheel truck. It was a HO Azen, um, first brand new truck I ever bought, and I bought it. And I was like, man, this thing's like, it wasn't bad. Like, it would do what you wanted. But I, I missed a lot of the horsepower that I had came from. Keep in mind, I bought this truck right after I blew up the 07 the first time. It was making 1,300 horsepower. And at that point, it had been somewhat reliable. Like, it started every morning, you know, that kind of reliable. <laughs> and Paul's old uh, 9573 started tell, every tell morning, too. Tell me you own too. a Cummins without telling me you own a Cummins. So, so real quick, just, just to kind of divert real quick. So that 07, when I took it to D&J and back, it was 4,000 miles. Jesus. It blew out or leaked or blow-bied, whatever you want to call it. I used five gallons of oil round trip. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was kind of cool, though, because when I got back, I just changed the filter and it was done, you know? That kind of <laughs> that kind of modification, Chris. But, Chris, right after you spend a bunch of money or, or have something catastrophic happen, you're always like, "That was kind of cool, right?" Yeah, like that was kind of cool. That, and you knew that the I engine you, consumed that guys, much oil. You yeah, knew I prior to what? Hey, King of the Street, UCC, all these places. I've had horrible failures. Every time, the amount of sadness that it takes is less and less. And you just gotta, <laughs> you just kind of gotta. You gotta roll with it, man. You do. Or, I love that. I, I mean, I, I feel I feel like the guys that take it to heart or worry about what other people say to them or listen to the people that just don't have anything nice to say, uh, those are the people that usually end up quitting or walking away. That's right. And no, it's 100%. not even. I'm not bashing those people, but like at that power level, like you kind of gotta be a little bit of a mentally tough individual to just work all night and try to i mean you think 250 horsepower is what i thought a gt55 was going to do on the ucc dyno no but i was disappointed while they backed me off and then i remembered that the main engine that i had was sitting there with melted pistons and <laughs> one of my good buddies let me just borrow this engine and i made the event and i still put points on the board That's it, it was kind of like you got to change the perspective. But anyway, back to the tow truck. So I kind of was just like, it's cool, but I didn't, I did the wheels, tires, window tint, ceramic coat, and it, it just, it didn't have enough power for what I was used to. So I called up you guys because I know you guys had, I don't know if it's still pending carb EO, but that really attracted me because I was like, you know what? I'd rather support somebody trying to do it right. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to have to do it right at one point, you know? Sure. And um, I think I tuned that truck with like 240 miles on it. <laughs> um, I don't know who came up with that calibration for you guys, but I was like, you know what? They got to be decent, right? Like, they're, they're Illinois guys. Hopefully, they didn't drink the night prior and they put this <laughs> together. So, I, um, I loaded in the truck, and, and honestly, I had 
10,000 miles on that tuning. And I know I've tagged you guys a few times. Like the fuel mileage was, was great. Um, I'd say stock highway, I was getting 17 and a half, 18. Uh, with your guys' stuff, I got close to 20. A couple times I, I got into the 20s. Um, but really the towing, that truck did 9,000 miles of towing in the 10,000 miles I owned it. <laughs> and um, it, it was pretty good. That's awesome, man. We appreciate that. We always love working with somebody who has that experience in like high horsepower and right. like big builds. And then you do, you jump into your tow truck that's nice and has the cooled seats yeah. and the ball coolers and warmers. And you're like, all right, you know, this, I'm going to leave this one stock. But that's that what everyone yeah, says. But that doesn't do anything truck, for right? a guy like Josh. Nothing. No, it right. doesn't do yeah. he, He'll trade in the, the heated seats and the cooling seats for another thousand horsepower on tap. Right. <laughs> you know, but that that's I, it. That's I, what. That's where that emissions equipped tuning comes yeah. in, right? It's like, hey, you finally went and bought the new truck. You finally went and got something nice. You got something that your wife doesn't bitch at you when you hit the gas in it every yeah. time. But then you're like, well, all that's really great. But you know what I really want is some <laughs> more, more power. power. Yeah. So that, that, that's yeah. where it hits, man. I'm, I'm glad it worked out so well for you. Yeah. No. And, and I mean, ironically, I ended up trading that truck in last week. Um, last week? What'd you got? I got a another 21 Ram 3500. I went with a Dually this time. Um, I, we're getting a race trailer, you know, all that YouTube money, everybody thinks you get, um, but no, I got a, I got a, a, a order in for an enclosed race trailer and we've had that, we had that black truck loaded. Um, we, we actually tagged a couple of the DOT scales on some of our trips. So I was luckily enough, you know, the authorities let me use the scale for free. It was pretty awesome. Um, so I think we did, it was like 34,000 pounds gross at one point oh, with that truck. On a single wheel Holy truck. Shit. Holy yeah. shit. Now, that, hey, that's that's legal. Right. Read the read the Ram brochure. It's legal. <laughs> but it did, um, like we get a lot, I, I mean, you guys aren't strangers to wind out there, but like we get a lot of wind. But what's weird here is you'll go around a mountain range and then you'll have like this like 50 mile an hour crosswind. So it would kind of like kind of drag the truck around a little bit um and luckily for me you know we we meet all these great people one of the guys that i've competed with at ucc is a sales manager at a dealership he had ordered this dually for himself a different one showed up and he bought that one instead so he had this 21 white dually um azen ho so i just picked that up uh, what was that last week and it's a crazy market we're in where you can trade in a vehicle and I didn't lose the normal depreciation off the lot. It was, right. it was pretty awesome. That's so nuts. Um, and you gained a so little more stability. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and you know what? I, I went from 373s to 410s. And I will say that the HO Azen platform really liked the 410s driving it around stock. I haven't put your guys' tuning on. i actually been trying to set up a time to call you chris because i needed to get that ordered but yeah. anyway um the four tens are definitely really nice but I, I, it's hard to beat the the new trucks you know my 07 it it can go really great towing but it doesn't stop as well towing <laughs> and i think the the big thing is just these new trucks the brakes i mean the rotors on the the new fifth gens or 4.5 whatever you want to call them the rear rotors on these are as big as the front rotors yeah. on like a third gen. It's it's quite impressive what they do. I could tell you, you know, being here as long as I have, I I always towed like you know small boats, landscape trailers, stuff like that. And when I started here, you know, eight years ago, 
uh, I was forced <laughs> to start, you know, towing goosenecks and bumper poles, bigger enclosed trailers. And I started to learn the value of where a dually really comes in handy. And gearing, like you had mentioned, Josh, like gearing plays a big role. If I take my 15-year model single-wheel truck with 455s, It'll, it'll tow it, right? And, and the, the braking is there and the, the stability of the truck as a whole tows nice. But you get into a truck like our 19 with four tens and an ASIN, forget it. Like that that truck is so yeah. much more effortless in its ability to pull whatever you're towing. Yeah. And as far as being planted, it, it's a night and day difference. Right. Going dually, from the single wheels to the yeah, dually, it's, like, it's, it's just like, it's, you're like, oh, this is why they invented right, the dually. This, this, this is this, why they sell yeah, this, is because uh, this is a problem for everybody with these trucks. Uh, and realistically, I, I know I caught a lot of flock from some of my friends that have switched to the Ford platform, the Chevy platform. I, I luckily out here when I bought that 21, the, the single rear wheel, I took a gooseneck with a truck on it to the dealership and I towed out here. You know, I'm not saying 50 miles, but 15 miles. We have this like national park right next to our town um, with this crazy grade up and down. And I towed with all three brands. and It was kind of funny. I listened to all your guys' podcasts can, comparing the different, you know, the three brands or whatever. And, I mean, it, it's kind of crazy how accurate some of your guys' stuff was. I feel like at the end of the day, I went with the Ram because I felt like it towed the best, which I felt like was most of what you guys had said. But I really do agree. I think the Power Stroke 6.7 for a daily driver, Nasty I, I honestly think Nasty that, that's truck. probably the truck I would buy so hard if to I beat. never – if I didn't tow a lot with it, I just feel like the Ram exhaust brake was kind of the selling point. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like it just hit so hard, but that the Ford, the Ford's a nice truck. I don't know why you guys buy all these GM trucks. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Dude, to, to listen me, to the hate. I, I listen mean, to the hate. I don't get it either. It, How dare you? Duramax is for, for, for life. No, it, 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 for it, me, it's, a, it's not even the engine or the tranny. It's the front end. I, I just I know. can't wrap my head around it. Like, goodness gracious. But. It is so smooth, though. I will just say that, like, like being in all three, driving all three, towing with all three, the Duramax does just, it feels cushy. <laughs> It just feels like you're nice and cushy, like you're just cruising. Yeah. I mean, um, the Cummins more of a. We've workhorse, talked about no this question. in the past, though. Like, I don't, I don't know, dude. I think the 2021 Ram interior is the best on the market. Hundred percent, hands down, it is the best interior. What? That is the best interior Wild. out of all three I, trucks, hands down. Now, to to stick up for Paul in one thing, which I rarely, rarely do. Um, you know the the ride quality, right? When you when you think of an IFS front end versus like solid front ends, like I'm I'm sorry, I would be more partial to a GM. I wouldn't buy a new Duramax oh, myself. Absolutely. Dude, that, those Rams run, those Rams are rough. They, they, they are, but <laughs> oh the interior God. the interior and all the bells and whistles that the new Rams offer, like that, make the difference. Like that's what offsides that truck, in my opinion, to being a better option. And it has a Cummins yeah. motor, which you know, let's just face it, it's yeah. the best engine. So, yeah. God, I got to get know. out of here. <laughs> but, but, but seriously, I mean, I, the the cool part that I like is every platform. You know, when a customer calls in, we get a lot of guys that just call in and ask what truck to buy, and I I always start the sentence with, "What do you want to fix?" Because right. all of them suck. <laughs> yeah, they all have certain, their problems in a certain aspect, and, and it's true. And as a Ram guy, I'm like, dude, you're gonna spend a lot of time at the tranny shop. Like, that's, <laughs> it's that's life. Kind of Deal the, with the that. Fact of life, and you know the the six seven power strokes. I feel like 
the 10 are i feel like when these guys start turning them up that i mean i just don't looking at the schematic of that tranny and driving one like dude one thing goes wrong on a sensor in that engine or that ecm or however they do it and you get a bind up in there i mean dude that thing is grenaded well that's what i, I wonder like. about all of these trucks so i think we all came it's up around the same era of like when you were young, you bought an older truck and you worked on it and you built it up. And then as you got more money and you, you, you grew up and your income went up, then you could move up into nicer and nicer trucks, yeah. right? Like both of you started with 12 valves and now yeah. you guys are up messing with six sevens and common rails and yada, yada. Um, but like my kids or your kids, like they're going to be looking at like what, like today's six, seven, today's power stroke, today's L five P and that's what they're going to be messing with. Now I hope like, all of the parts and availability, all of that's going to advance over the next ten or twenty years, right? Like, but but just think about like you you learned or you learned working on a twelve valve, valve still. <laughs> I, but how like the, you because yeah. you're not what twelve valves are going to be left? I mean, Josh is burning through seven of them in a year, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I, I, so I wonder, like, is my kid going to need to be a computer engineer to to fuck with trucks? Like, you, you know, I mean, by that, yeah. I mean we're all wondering like what's going to not be electric or or whatever, but. But I look at it, you know, I have two kids. I got a six-year-old, or no, yeah, six and two. She'll be three next month. But I look at it, and I'm like, when I was two or three, I'm pretty sure I ate, like, charcoal out of the fireplace. Like, yeah. that, I was that kid. <laughs> yeah. And then my, my I, daughter actually I got up this morning to go to work. She had figured out how to unlock the iPad. She remembers her mom's little four-digit password. Dude. And she's sitting there playing a the game on it. And we're not, like, a huge technology family like we don't spend a lot of time in front of the tv and stuff but my wife really doesn't like to wake up too early so she'll give the kids like my son gets their cell phone my daughter gets the ipad and i think they kind of battle royale for it and, yeah. and i don't know why my my son loses every time but um <laughs> but but it's incredible to me i, I mean I, I still remember floppy disks and stuff yeah. and now I, I look at the youtube editing that i've learned how to do and i'm like I think they'll they'll be pretty smart. I mean, I think my kid's already that, better on the iPad than my wife. Well, is. I was just going to yeah, say, 100%. Like, you brought up a, th- yeah. a point as you're saying this. I'm thinking about it. When when my daughter was was two, she already knew how to get into my phone. Like she knew how to navigate like YouTube on my phone. Yeah. And now, I mean, she yeah. she'll be six next week, and she has her own. You know, she has an iPad, and she she can work my smart TV better than I can work the TV. And I'm not I'm not yeah. much of a and TV person in general, but like she's a wizard on on all the apps and everything like that. And this that. is just a really long podcast to really make boomers feel horrible about not being able to use their iPhone. <laughs> Idiots! Ah, <laughs> ah got gotcha, you. Yeah, my my dad drives a VP44 truck, and he'll probably drive it into his grave. Yeah, <laughs> smart man, that. actually smart. And, man. <laughs> and I, I, I love my dad. Like he's a great guy. Taught me a lot. But if I have to explain how to change the tunes on his edge EZ one more time, I'm gonna probably <laughs> strangle him with that dongle. Okay. You're talking about a toggle switch that flips three different ways. But which like, way? Which way is fast again? Because I don't want to blow it up. Yeah. I yeah, want to keep it no safe. Shit. Oh that? my god. And, and the bad part is my dad sees all the stuff we blow up. So. I mean, I built him a tranny, and I put race valve body. I engraved it on the valve body, and he was, like, ready to send it back. And I was like, no, I was just messing with you. Holy cow. But, yeah. No, it's a, it's a probably an honest 300 horsepower. I'm probably going to have to rebuild the engine for the second time. I, th- I think he's got close to 
half a million miles on it. Oh, he toes that. really heavy, so he burns up the rings, but whatever. Yeah. That's wild. Well, Josh, I definitely appreciate you carving out so much time for our listeners. This has been an absolute blast for yeah. us. Uh, is there anybody you want to give a shout out to? You know, it's just a lot of a lot of people. I mean, we we uh, I always appreciate you guys. I, I listen to your guys' podcast whenever I'm driving. It's always entertaining. Um, you guys are definitely a little bit more of a comedic than some of your guys' competition for the podcasts and. Uh, Got that. Obviously, the place I work at, we got DDP. Man, there's so many companies. Armor. We have diesel performance converters, uh, fluid damper. Drew over at DNJ and his crew. Um, I buy a ton of the Firepunk fabric. I tell you what, dude. Firepunk fabrication. If you guys ever need anything and you suck at welding or cutting, I would just give them your money because those guys do a really nice <laughs> job. We get, a, get a, we get a lot of a lot of parts from them. Um, and then we have Longhorn Fab. I, I like their stuff. Um, Industrial Injection decided to get with the program and, and hop on with the truck this year, which awesome. is always good. I, I like Tyler and, and Sean over there. Yeah, they're good um, shit. Which is funny because I used to not like those guys, uh, <laughs> and, and now and now I do. Now they jumped um, on the bandwagon, so they're <laughs> now your fans. No, <laughs> joking. It, it, I'm it joking. Just, it, it reminds me. I, I saw. Real quick, I saw some guy, or actually Sarah Phillips. She runs a lot of the, I think her last name's Phillips. Um, she runs a lot of the East Coast stuff, sled pulling, King of the Street and stuff. And she had talked about this guy that was sled pulling and didn't want to sign this kid's autograph. And little did he know that kid's dad was the title sponsor and had done the payouts for the last year and a half or whatever. And he, he left the sport. And... um it's amazing how one interaction with somebody can change your perception. I remember I tried to talk to one of those guys and they were having a bad day and they kind of, kind of just brushed me off. And at that point I'm still a nobody, but at that point I was like a real nobody. Um, and it, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And it took a lot of years to kind of get to know them and realize that they were just having a bad day. But I feel like that's something that a lot of these guys don't, realize when you're when you're doing events and stuff like without the people that come to show or buy the live streams like it ain't going to be around forever so you know remember when the kid comes up and wants to sit in your truck or sign a shirt or whatever like those are those are kind of the coolest points of the day for me you know i love it when my kids want to come to the shop and rearrange my sockets and stuff but (laughs) remember the fans you know that that's the big thing that's it right there, man. That's a good piece of advice. Well, again, Josh, thank you so much. Uh, hey, yeah. listeners, if you want to go and follow Josh, Chris and I strongly recommend it. We yeah. both watch his channel. Uh, what's your What's your handle on Instagram and what's your YouTube channel so people can find you? Uh, on Instagram, I am just a common rail twenty four V, and then on YouTube, it's Horse Torques Diesel. Uh, Horse Torques is one word: H O R S E, and then Torque with an S. Uh, you guys go ahead, subscribe, follow me on Instagram. If you guys have questions and stuff, Instagram direct messages work. Uh, you can also friend me on Facebook. I'm just Josh McCormack. Uh, I'll be honest. I I usually get anywhere from like 20 to 40 messages a day. Sometimes I don't get to all of them, but, uh, I eventually do. Cool. That's it. Sliding Josh's DMS to ask about his comments. Um, (laughs) yeah, there you go. Uh, listeners, make sure you stick around. Uh, we're going to have our super tech segment coming up as well as our remote support ag- 
a remote support expert here at the end of the show. Replace the old leaking radiator in your truck with a direct fit replacement from the XDP Extra Cool Radiator line. XDP's Extra Cool Radiators are made using the same techniques used in the HD truck industry to give you durability, strength, and performance. Each Extra Cool Radiator is built around a high efficiency core with heavy duty tubes. It's also internally reinforced for strength and features more fins per inch for maximum cooling. The end tanks on each radiator have been upgraded to a fiber reinforced plastic construction for added strength and durability. To put it all together, a heavy gauge steel crimp strip is used to join the tank and the core. This eliminates the separation that's common in OE radiators. To find out more about the XDP Extra Cool Radiators, check out xdp.com or find a local dealer near you. What is Worley Custom Fabs, Thermostat Bypass Valve, and why is it an important upgrade for your 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax? 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax trucks feature a unique thermostat assembly for the Allison transmission, which allows fluid to bypass the auxiliary cooler and use engine heat in the radiator coolant to reach ideal operating temps more quickly in cold weather. When the desired temperature is reached, the thermostat is supposed to open and allow fluid to flow forward into the auxiliary cooler, which helps maintain transmission fluid temperatures at a safe level. Now the issue. This thermostat is prone to get stuck closed. So when the fluid gets hot and reaches the point that it needs to be cooled via the auxiliary cooler, the fluid is instead bypassed by the closed thermostat and returned to the transmission uncooled. Hotter fluid breaks down quicker, which leads to poor fluid performance and potentially premature damage and shortened transmission life. If you tow with your truck or live in a warm climate, this bypass plug is a must. Whether your truck is a daily driver, work truck, tow rig, or competition race truck, this is an issue that plagues all 17 to 19 L5Ps. When running one of WC Fab's shop trucks at the drag strip, they noticed temperatures reaching the unsafe zone. After some investigation, they found the auxiliary cooler up front was cool to the touch. The hot fluid was not making its way to the cooler. Upon further research, they found that even factory stock trucks were experiencing the same issue. With this discovery, the thermostat bypass plug was born. The CAD-designed, CNC-machined, anodized billet aluminum bypass plug requires a simple 15-minute installation. WC Fab has been building high-performance transmissions for the L5P platform for many years now and immediately started including this made-in-the-USA piece with every transmission that they build. Tested in-house on both their shop trucks and customer trucks, the Transmission Cooler Thermostat Bypass Plug for 2017 to 2019 L5P Duramax trucks can drop the fluid temperature from 15 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit by reducing fluid flow restriction to the trans cooler. The Exergy Performance Fuel System Saver works. If you have a CP4 equipped fuel pump, which is commonly found on the 2011 to 2016 LML Duramax, and also the uh, early 6.7 liter Ford Power Stroke engine, they're known for failure, period. Now, most of the time, if you put a lift pump on the truck, you'll prevent a lot of the potential failures. 
If you do regular maintenance, you can help help prevent the potential failures. But at the end of the day, there's still a risk that no matter what you do, that CP4 could fail. And when they fail, they have a track record for sending all of the metal shavings downstream. So you end up needing a whole new fuel system, new lines, new injectors, new tubes, new everything. That could be very expensive. Even if you're under warranty or you find a bundle package for a great price, there's still a lot of labor that goes into that that job. The fuel system saver increases the amount of protection post CP4. So it's not gonna stop your CP4 from failing. What it's gonna do is that God forbid the CP4 gives up and it starts to send metal debris through the truck, it's gonna stop it before it hits the rest of your fuel system. And that's why they call it the fuel system saver. If you have a CP4 pump on your truck, you absolutely need to give DuramaxTuner.com a call today and get yourself a fuel system saver. And guys, we're here with our remote support expert, Sean Lynn. Sean, how the hell are you? Great. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, we've been through some really fun topics here recently. Definitely, yeah. We've been through a lot. <laughs> now now it's time to get into one uh, that I feel like is a little bit more tricky as a remote support expert because you're not going to be able to get your hands on this problem to like physically diagnose it. But I want to talk about turbo vanes. Yeah, we get questions about that weekly, so yeah, let's get into it. So variable vane turbos or variable geometry turbos are the standard in today's diesels. Uh, so if you have anything, I think, after most of the trucks, anything after 2008, uh, the Fords, I want to say, like, we get up into it, some different variations throughout the 6.4 with our twin turbo setups. But then once we get to the 6.7, everything's variable vane. If you have a 2011 or newer, uh, you have a variable vane on your truck or variable geometry. It kind of depends. Now, Duramaxes and Power Strokes have vanes uh, that sweep. So the vane itself moves based on a unison ring being controlled by an actuator electronically, right? The the Cummins turbos, they have a, a fixed vein, if you will. So, so it does still have a vein in there, uh, but it doesn't change the angle of the vein. It changes how much vein is actually introduced into the volute uh, or, or the exhaust side. So it just works a little bit differently. Guys, if you haven't seen it, go check out some of the Duramax tuner videos. We have some really good clips of that, how that turbo works specifically. Uh, but I have a feeling, Sean, you deal mostly with diagnosing probably older 04 and a half to 2010 Duramax turbo vanes. Is that is that mostly what you deal with? Yeah, like uh, LLY up until LML is the calls we typically get. And, uh, yeah, every once in a while people are asking, like, hey, I just installed this turbo. My truck's throwing codes. What do I do? Gotcha. Okay. Okay, walk me through it. What type of codes are we dealing with here? Um, yeah, so we get a number of them. Um, sometimes people will install the turbo and they'll get an underboost code or like a P003A code, vein position not learned. Usually codes like that. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so if I were to call you up and say, hey, I just put a turbo on, it's a variable vein, and I have a set of check engine lights, where do you go from there? Um, the first thing I would do is um, ask how the turbo was installed. Was the oil changed? Did you boost leak test it? And I would need to know what the codes are, obviously, to further help the guy. Okay, so let's say I definitely put oil in it, as I'm instructed to do by the stickers and all of the paperwork that comes with my new turbos. Uh, I definitely changed the oil when I did it. So I did an oil change. I did the turbo swap. I filled the turbo with oil just like I was supposed to. I put it on. I fired it up. I got codes. I read it out. I got a P003A. What do I do? 
Um, the first thing that we usually recommend in a situation like that is uh, we want to see if the veins sweep from 0 to 100%. Okay, how do I do that? So it's probably not something that you're going to be able to do on your own, but if you know someone with a GM scan tool, you should be able to sweep it from 0 to 100%. And if it does that, then the turbo is functioning as it should. All right. What what if I don't have that? What do I what do I do if I have that code that P003A code? If you don't have that, then there is another way around doing that. Um, you can actually remove the actuator from the side of the turbo, and you can push the plunger in and watch on your monitor. You will need some kind of monitor to do this, but you should be able to see the veins move, and you can push it in with your finger. Gotcha. Okay. And also vein position sensors, another one that we could play with if we need to, right? If we're trying to diagnose, do we have a vein position sensor issue? Uh, we actually can pull that sensor off and, and actually use our fingers to move it. Yeah. So every once in a while, again, it's electronics, things happen. If you put your old vein position sensor on your new turbo, right, and you break something or mess something up when you're installing it, it's very possible that the veins are just not reading correctly. And we see that pretty often. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's interesting. All right. Um, once I've diagnosed it, let's say I were to come back to you and say, okay, the veins are are sweeping as they're supposed to. Uh, where do I go from here? I would have to ask you then um, what kind of tuning the truck has, what the size of the turbocharger is. As you know, a 64 doesn't require tuning, but a 67, depending on what your truck is, should have a different tune on it just because the veins are a little different. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, this is one of those tough ones. Like I said, you're not going to be able to like definitively tell somebody over the phone, especially in just one phone call, here's what's wrong, go fix it, right? Yeah. You're going to kind of walk them down a path and give them some options of troubleshooting. Hey, if you get to this point and you, you see this result, start looking over here. If you get go down a different path and you follow a different fork and you get some different results, okay, we're going to be diagnosing it a little bit different way. Any of these is likely going to have to include somebody with some wrenching capability. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Good stuff, man. Uh, any pro tips for the guys out there trying to troubleshoot their turbocharger issues? Yeah. Um, the, the biggest thing I would say for sure is that you want to do a boost leak test after the new turbo is installed because we get calls all the time. People install it on their Duramaxes. Hey, my truck's really smoky now. It wasn't before. The new turbo is obviously supposed to flow more air so it shouldn't be as smoky regardless. So if it is, then there's something going on there, such as a boost leak, which happens all the time. That's right, man. Yeah, so, so you're up there and you're wrenching on these, a lot of times factory silicone boots and these worm drive clamps and things like that. And it's really, really easy to just be off a little bit. And, and that's all it takes for a boost leak to be dramatic, right? So my general rule of thumb for you guys, boost test it before you, you start wrenching on it, boost test it after if you boost test it before you start wrenching on it you may find you got a hole in your intercooler you got a boot you know a leak down by an intercooler pipe like you, you can find those leaks before you start turning wrenches and hopefully get them addressed quicker and sooner than later right yeah and the the physical size of the tur uh, stock turbo is a little bit smaller too so you might not notice it as much but when you go to a larger unit that hole in your intercooler pipe may be hurting you more that's it, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Exponential growth, right? Exponential yep. growth in the problem. Uh, so you want to keep an eye out for that. Good stuff. Sean Lynn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Guys, stick around. Uh, coming up next, we're going to be talking to our super tech, Jeremy Garnett, and we'll be diving into an issue he's been dealing with here in the shop.
Jeremy Garnett, Super Tech number one. How the hell are you? I'm wonderful. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, Jeremy, we've had some fun ones. We've done some general maintenance. We've done some uh, specific jobs. But one of the things I think nobody really talks about is what happens when the shop gets slow. Uh, we we do shit that needs to get done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so to be clear, sometimes you get a bunch of big customer builds. And in today's kind of economy and global bullshit that we deal with, we run into parts where like, okay, this project is now waiting on a part that's going to be three weeks and this project's waiting right. on a part that's going to be four weeks and all of a sudden here we are sitting in like this one week gap of like there's no specific hard big customer jobs that need to get done right <laughs> but there is a whole bunch of shit we've been putting off for quote unquote and i'm doing air quotes on a podcast like people can see me but we're doing shit on the, uh, that is like when we get to it right. the list <laughs> so so i know you've had this type of a week here behind yeah. us uh and my list keeps growing <laughs> so <laughs> Like, hey, when we get to it, let's get this done or knock this out or, hey, let's do that. So yeah. that's, that's it's kind of what we did this week uh, with DJ stepping out and having baby number two. and uh, Congrats, DJ. Yeah. yeah. And um, with um, also with like uh, waiting on customer stuff, like you said, like yeah. we were waiting on We're waiting on an engine build. We're waiting. You know, we're waiting on this other stuff. And, you know, our engine builder was waiting for 12, oh, nine weeks for, yeah. for Pistons. Oh, and, and and that's just sometimes you're going to run into these scenarios yeah. where even when you have a really busy shop that's like full all the time and customers like even waiting to come in is you might get a bunch of small jobs or you might just get a, a couple of days where there's like not a ton of stuff to do and you know you have this list of catch up. Right. What did that list look like for you this past week? Well, this week here it was uh, we have a steel trailer in the shop. Uh, the f like fenders just kept getting run over. You know, you put a, put a truck on it, put a skid steer on it. You know, you just put anything on it fenders keep getting do we look at it okay hey do we fix it we do some fab work on it what do we do let's just put a new set of fenders on the damn thing yeah you know so. yeah because you can get into that game real quickly of like oh well we'll just we'll patch it or right. oh we'll pound it back out exactly. and you're like well you can that only do like that so, yeah you can only do that so many times <laughs> i mean we do have a reputation like it does have our logo on it, you know, right. so we want to keep it a little bit nicer. Okay. So so now you do pretty much any of the fabrication that needs to be done in the shop. Yeah, I do a lot of it. Yeah. Um, so of it. when fenders come in on a steel trailer, what's that job look like for you? Uh, in this case here, this is an all steel trailer, so a steel bed or steel, you know, body, everything, frame, yeah. deck, everything. Uh, literally start grabbing my cutoff tool and go to town. Um, so what I did is I measured them out first. So, you know, they're... 10 inches wide and you know 72 inches long you know find the right fenders that i need that would match up and right. then start cutting it Just oh, go to, go that's to the fun part of the job right you know it is and it isn't i mean i love i love cutting stuff i'm <laughs> the first one to do it i'll grab a sawzall or a cutoff tool i'm the first one to do it but at the end of the day, when you're going home and you're like, God damn it, I just want to shower. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, that's it, because it, it is one of those jobs where to just get started with, like, the rough cut of cutting everything off, that's not going to take a ton of time, right? right? Like, like we got the saws and the tools to kind of rip through it. Yeah. But then you got you have to re-weld something there. Yeah, it's the prep work of getting the new fender set. You yeah. know, even though it's pretty much the same fender, um, you know, they're pretty much all universal. It's pretty much the same fender, but it's... I had to, you still have to grind it. Yeah. You still have to get it flat. You still have to get it and prep the material to weld to it. And that's that's where the time is spent. Exactly. Because then, then then it comes to the welding. So so I imagine you kind of frame it up, you tack weld it in place, yep. and then you start laying a bead. Yeah. Um, this case, I actually, uh, two by fours <laughs> we're, we're, were my best friend. That's it, man. <laughs> yeah. I used two by fours and uh, got it set and started tacking it together. And 
anybody that's watched a car, any car show or you know any anything on TV, you know it's, it's only sixteen gauge metal. So you, you tack here, tack here, go to the other side, tack here, tack here, come back. Yep. So it's a tedious process. So, so you don't want to warp all the metal, but yeah, fun. But when it's on, how to come out? Oh, perfect. Oh, yeah, I, I mean it that. looks good. Yeah, I posted some on my Instagram just. Uh, <laughs> the Instagram, Jeremy Garnett's Instagram has been yeah. blowing up. If you're not following him, he posts a ton of shop work, guys. So if you want to see some of the actual ins and outs of a real diesel tech, uh, you're going to want to go and follow. Uh, Jay Garnett, zero, zero. Over at Instagram, man. Yep. Uh, and it is. It's really good content. And what I like about your Instagram feed is you don't waste time with a lot of text. No. Give me the picture of what, what I'm talking about, what I care about. Give me a real quick snippet and move the fuck out. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> 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 All right, so so we got the fender job done. What else did you work on this week? Uh, we grabbed the skid steer this week that we have. Um, you know, in the winter we use it a lot for moving snow since we're in the Midwest. Uh, sure, we really don't have a lot of use for it, but uh, Nick, the owner, he uses it on his property a lot. Um, so we brought it in for some maintenance. Just needed to be greased up. You know, when's the last time that thing got a PM run on it? <sighs> when we first bought it. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, but but it was one of those things like, hey, when we get to it, you know, yeah, like. That's it. So we let's get to it. You know, like, hey, you know, we have we have some time. So we brought it over, we greased it up, you know, we made sure the tracks aren't ripped and uh the rear door wasn't closing properly. So because um, it has a battery shut off on this, so you have to open up that rear door every time to shut gotcha. especially if it's at here or at the property, it's sitting for, you know, yeah, long uh, periods long of time. Periods. Yeah, so right. we, we just like to shut the battery off. So yeah, the door wasn't shutting properly and just little stuff like that's Let's get it done, man. The last mechanic slammed that fucking door when he couldn't figure it out. He's like, <laughs> boom, and then it never shut right again. Or some guy just decided he wanted to run into something. In the <laughs> <laughs> However way you want to look at it. <laughs> Listen, we all know it was a tech that broke it. Oh, yeah, Don't yeah, you yeah. dare blame the owner. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it was the guy before us. <laughs> Um, that, that's funny too, because you get into equipment PM and that's a real easy one in a shop to look over, right. right? Is all of the things that you use that are around you where it's not necessarily just the tools. It's not necessarily just like this stuff you use every day where right. you're like, that's a little bit easier to remember. Oh, I need to grease this. Yeah, exactly. Right? Um, then we went on to the, started doing just maintenance on our racks. Like we have, we're not a very big shop. I mean, we have four racks, but we have a lot of space. Yeah. I mean, we can fit. A lot of cars, but a lot of trucks, but we have four main racks that we use all the time. Like one's occupied probably for the next all, six months. Yeah, forever. I mean, there's two that are <laughs> occupied forever, but um, just maintenance, like, you know, one of the latches wasn't working. Pro- like, let's just get the stuff fixed that we don't can't do every day. And it's so crazy how quickly these lists build up. Oh, my God. Right? Like, because day by day, you're like, nah, this latch, and you, you wiggle it a little, or right. you kick it in the right spot, you know, and you fonzie it, and it, it, it works. And you're like, all right. Keep moving. I've been wanting to move this bench for six months. <laughs> like, literally, I've been wanting to move this bench and make our oil delivery a little bit easier. Because when we get oil delivered, we had it in a spot where it's, like, just difficult to get to. Yeah. Uh, you know, we never thought it out that much when we moved into this building two, two and a half years ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like, man, hey, we should move this bench and move our oil. That way it'd be easier delivery in and out, make it. Yeah. Yeah. Finally got to that. All those little <laughs> things, man. And and you, you start looking at like a 40-hour week. Right. And on Monday, where, where it was like a quick announcement, like, hey, the shop manager is going to be out for the week. He's right. having a kid. We we thought we were going to have these other projects for you guys to work on, but shit happened. And right. you're not going to be working on those projects. So like Monday, you sit down, you start coming up with a list. And you're like, right. all right, two mechanics. All right, yeah, I think I got like 40 hours worth of work between the two of us. And then all of a sudden Wednesday rolls around. You're like, how do I still have 
80 hours worth of work to get done. Yeah. Like. <laughs> well, that's how it was with this, you know, this fender job. I'm like, oh, that should take me a day. Yeah. Yeah, I'm two, almost two days into it. <laughs> but I was also waiting and helping other, you know, doing other stuff. But, sure. You know. But but you do. You get tossed around a lot. That's right. one of the other things, right, is is uh, all of a sudden people in the company hear, hey, the shop is a little slow. And it's like, oh, man, I, I'm 500 miles away from an oil change. I should have them do it well, during like, business hours. That's kind of how it was. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, Melissa up front, you know, yep. she, hey, can you change my oil, oil this week? And Jamie was like, hey, can you change my oil this week? So, yep. yeah, we did throw that stuff in there, too. But the main point is that we, we got to the stuff that you know, we've been putting off and- that's, that's, it, that's kind of what we wanted to talk about this week. It always feels so good to get caught up to, doesn't it? I just felt to get it done. Good, good <laughs> to get it done. You know, that's. <laughs> so like, that, this has been my gripe for, for six months. I've wanted to move this bench. Well, yeah, okay, it's finally done. Exactly. And then, hey, when are you going to get that trailer done? I mean, we've been trying to do it for three weeks, four weeks now. Yeah. I mean, literally three, four weeks now. Hey, I've been getting asked, hey, you going to get this trailer done? You going to get it done? Like, yeah, I got it done. <laughs> so, get off my back. Yeah. <laughs> So. Well, I love it, man. I think that's a good one. Do you got a pro tip for somebody maybe kind of managing a shop or looking at their shop? So what I would do, and then, like, again, I wish I was part of the process of, like, when we, like moving this bench in the oil. Like, just kind of look at it and maybe even write it down on a piece of paper, like, accessibility, like, to a shop. I mean, like, us moving this oil drum is, makes it easier for the delivery guy and for us to even get it to go to the vehicle. Right. And then all your... Like, we leave our oil drum there as well, like our used oil. Yeah. So if anything happens, like, there's any, it's all there. So you don't have five different spots of oil all over the floor. <laughs> um, I would just look at it that way. Accessibility, like, especially tire changers, stuff like that. Just make it how it's going to flow. I love that. That's I, good I, stuff, flow. man. Take a second. Think it through. Yeah. And if you need to take a, a half a day or a day to change things around to make your operation more efficient, take it. Yeah. It, it will pay dividends oh, in the long run. Uh, yeah, time is money. That's it, man. I mean, time is money. Good stuff. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for joining us this week. No problem. Have a good day. Listeners, stick around. Uh, Right after this, you're going to be hearing from Chris and I wrapping up the show. All right, guys. uh, Chris, what a hell of a show today. Like, that was... Definitely a good interview. You know, I, I love when we have the opportunity to talk to to talk to wow, talk to Josh. Um, you know, I do some uh, some business stuff with him. You know, uh, through the company and whatnot, and everyone over at you know um, at Power Driven, they're just they're a great group of guys. You know, they're uh, definitely pushing the envelope with uh, even the old twelve valve dinosaurs these days. That's and, right, and man. Everything it's still else. rocking and that mechanical life. It, it's cool to see. You know, you have a camp out west, and they support their employees doing just crazy shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> absolutely. Hey, big shout out to our remote support expert Sean Lynn and our uh, super tech Jeremy Garnett. Go follow those guys over on Instagram and Facebook as well. Uh, they, you're going to love to see some of the content that they have to post. For today, this has been Paul Wilson and Chris Hemke. Thanks for listening. I love other people's clapped out. <laughs> <laughs>